0: edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. In this edition, this is the best of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. Topics in this episode include Bob Iger is an idiot. Remember that infamous rant I went on during the actors and writer's strike about Bob Iger? You'll hear that on this podcast. You'll also hear the infamous Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks match. That never happened. WWE advertised that match for SummerSlam 2021, which never happened. Even though WWE knew that Sasha Banks would not compete at the event. Instead, we would have Carmella Russell, Bianca Belair before Becky Lynch made her return and beat Bianca Belair. You'll hear me. Rant about that debacle of a segment and quite possibly one of the worst SummerSlam matches of all time in Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. Plus I'll go into What's Anthony T. Watching and a film I reviewed this year where it made me embarrassed to be a horror fan, quite frankly. And quite frankly, this was at the time The worst movie of 2023. I'm not sure if it's the worst movie of 2023. I have not decided on that yet. Because there's another horror film that's up there. And it's equally bad as this one. But first. On the Best of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling show. I have one of the most talked about topics of the podcast. Glenn Danzig. And his film Death Rider in the House of Vampires resurfacing this year at the Cannes Film Festival Marketplace. And oh, by the way, it's being sold only on Cleopatra Records official website at the moment, which is ridiculous since they couldn't find a distributor for this film. You'll hear my rant on Glenn Danzig and the Khan Film Festival Marketplace where Death Rider and the House of Vampires had to go because, well, nobody would distribute the film. Even though it had a good cast including Devin Swawa, Danny Treos, and Eli Roth. And then we'll have a wrestling take. In one of the most bizarre stories of the year, someone broke into Wardlow's rental and took his TNT title belt. Yeah that did happen in 2023. In Wardlow's bad 24 hours. Now I don't know where to stop. Because there's two news stories. That really irked me. Between episodes. This one from a director. In which I thought. Gave up filmmaking as his latest film, I thought, disappeared from the face of the earth. I could go there to start off. Or I could go on the fact that after I did a rant on why I don't like mockbusters, I got one of the most absurd mockbusters coming soon to a Blu-ray and DVD near you. So, I don't know where to start. I'm thinking. You know what? I'm going to start off with a film that I thought disappeared because I have not talked about this guy in quite a while. In fact, file this under Rockstars Directing. Probably the most notorious rockstar director of them all is back in my horror news. Yes, I am talking about Glenn Danzig. Yeah, the same Glenn Danzig whose last film, Rodica, earned a half a star. It is like the only film that I've given a half a star to. I thought I was rid of this guy. Seriously. After the fact that his latest film, Death Rider in the House of Vampires, disappeared from the face of this earth. And I say that literally because this film was released in theaters in limited release back in August of 2021. That's right. This film was in theaters in 2021. And yet, this film is not on Blu-ray or DVD yet. Seriously. I literally thought I would never see this film on Blu-ray or DVD. Because I've just given up on that film. Because they never made this film available on VOD. And that was a major problem with its release strategy. Nowadays, these limited release films... You kind of have to release them on VOD as well. This film never even got a VOD release. Instead, Death Rider in the House of Vampires was in distribution hell. How can you get into distribution hell if you had a theatrical release? Seriously. That means you hooked up with a really bad distributor. That's it. You can't hook up with these distributors who have no intention Or no release plan. As the film was released by Atlas Distribution. How they couldn't get this film on DVD and Blu-ray by now is beyond me. Seriously. As this film should have been on Blu-ray and DVD by now. Instead, this film is lost. So, guess what happened? This film popped up recently at the Cannes Film Festival. In the marketplace. Usually where they take films to a marketplace... To get distribution. And all that stuff. A lot of independent films do that. They go to cons to get distribution. Finally this film went to cons. Why it took so long. Is beyond me. Seriously. It's been almost two years since its theatrical release. So I don't understand why the hell. That this film finally popped up out of nowhere. As it disappeared From the face of the earth. That's not a good sign for a film. If it's not out on Blu-ray within a year of its release date. For an independent film, a high-profiled film such as Glenn Danzig's Death Rider in the House of Vampires. That film should be out on Blu-ray DVD by now and VOD by now at least. But no. I don't know why it almost took them two years to shop this film at the Cannes Film Festival. Because apparently nobody is buying this film here in the United States. Or else this film would have been out by now. As there would have been a trickle down effect to other territories. That's not a good sign for Glenn Danzig's latest film. If they had to go to Cannes to try to sell this film... To distributors. Because the fact that they. A. Waited so long. And B. Had to go to cons. Into that marketplace. If you ever want to see what that marketplace looks like. Kind of. Watch the documentary. Clapboard Jungle. Because this is what it feels like. What's going on with Death Rider. In the House of Vampires. It feels like an independent film. Literally. The fact that it couldn't get a distribution deal in the United States is pitiful. It was pitiful that that film had to go to the Cannes Film Festival Marketplace to secure distribution because I guess Glenn Danzig's name doesn't lend any staying power these days. Seriously, Spider One can get distribution easily. Hell, his latest film, *Bury the Brights*, on Tubi already. That's after his last film, Allegoria, ended up on Shudder. It just amazes me that Glenn Danson cannot get distribution for this film. It just is. Seriously. And it's probably a telltale sign that this film is probably not going to be a good film. But I will watch it because, well, I'm a sucker for vampire films. And this is kind of a film that for better or worse, needs to be seen and reviewed for this podcast. Because you will get a review of this film, no doubt about it, ifs, ands, or buts, whenever this film decides to ever want to come out on DVD, Blu-ray, or VOD. Because I'm just a sucker for vampire films. And the fact it's Glenn Danzig, one of the most talked about topics on the podcast, of course this film is getting reviewed. Now, can we hurry up with the distribution? Because it seems like it may take another three, four years before we see this film here in the United States. Seriously. It's just pitiful. Pitiful, pitiful that this film is not out on home media yet. Given the fact that Glenn Danzig has somewhat of a name value.
1: Pitiful.
0: It is. And the fact that it has some genre names in it, too. Like Devin Sawa. Julian Sands, Kim Director, Danny Treos, Eli Roth. Genre names. And this film has not gotten distribution yet. I can't figure that out. Seriously. I just don't get Glenn Danzig. Everything has to be so spectacular that it's a failure. Seriously. This is a failure. That this film is not on a Blu-ray, DVD, or VOD yet. It is. It's pitiful and a failure. No ifs, ands, or buts. With those names in this film, this film should have been out on home media by now. But it isn't. We're still waiting for it on home media. And we're going to keep waiting for it. Apparently. Since that movie story really aggravated me, let's move on to wrestling news. And we have a new TNT champion. Yes, I know later in the show I will go over Wardlow versus Samoa Joe at Revolution in which Wardlow won the TNT title. Well, he lost the title. Both literally and in reality. First... The day of Dynamite, Wardlow posted a video showing his smashed-up rental car with all of his gear stolen, including the TNT Championship. Now, this is not a work, people. This actually happened in real life. Someone smashed Wardlow's rental It took his gear, and took his TNT title with them. Meaning, they were stolen in reality. This was no script. This was actual fact. Then, day of the show, Wardlow loses the TNT title to Powerhouse Hobbs after QT Marshall interfered in that match. In a very good match... Until that point, where it was full's count anywhere, the episode took place on March 8th on Dynamite. That was surprising that Powerhouse Hobbs won the title that night. Seriously. if Now, the only problem I have with this decision here is, if they were going to give the title to Powerhouse Hobbs, they should have just done a three-way at Revolution and gave the title to Powerhouse Hobbs then. Not do it on dynamite and then have QT Marshall interfere. But back to the reality of the story here. Talk about a really bad 24 hours for Ward. Whoa. First his rental car gets broken into with his gear and everything stolen, including that TNT title. Then being told by Tony Khan that day that he has to drop the title to Powerhouse Hobbs after just winning it a couple days ago. Talk about a really bad 24 hours for Ward Lowe the person. Because A... Your gear and everything was taken away from you and stolen. And B, you find out you're a transitional champion. That's gonna suck. Seriously. But I really hope this means for low that he's gonna challenge for the world title soon. I hope. As for a powerhouse Hobbs, it's about time they finally gave him the TNT title, as it's been long overdue, as he's a very good talent. But man, talk about a very bad 24 hours for a wrestler. It's not cool to have your gear stolen, your rental car smashed, and your title being stolen from you in real life. And I'm using real life because we all know how AEW likes to blend reality and fiction. But this is real life here, people. Welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment just he's a robot too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. Now, the last half of 2022 was Dominated by the actors and writers strike here on the podcast. As most of the topics on this podcast were related to those strikes because, well, I wasn't promoting major studio films because, well, I wasn't going to give the studios what they want. Publicity when there's starving actors, starving writers out there and Hollywood executives don't want to make a deal. In amidst of all this, one of the most talked about topics of the year was Bob Iger because he was one of the main studio executives that really wanted to wait it out to get the best deal possible for the studios. Didn't work out so well, Bob, but he made probably one of the, of the most acidine statements of 2023 in regards to his thoughts about actors and writers striking. He went on a CNBC show and said that the decision for the actors in writers strike to go on was very disturbing to me. How was it very disturbing? Seriously. This is coming from a studio executive, ladies and gentlemen. The whole writers and actors' strike was very disturbing to him. Yeah, it was very disturbing to see how Hollywood's been taking advantage of streaming all these years and the technology known as AI. That was the most disturbing thing to me, is how these studios... Wanted to take advantage of both the actors and writers here. And use AI for everything. Didn't work out so well. For the most part, Bob. This is why I don't like Hollywood executives. Because they tend to be greedy. Everyone. Case in point, my rant. That Bob Iger is an idiot. And to this day is still an idiot. can Seriously. It's because we are now under a writers and actors strike. It was okay to talk about it when writers are on strike, but since the actors are on strike, this is ridiculous. Seriously. Both the actors and the writers on strike at the same time. And we can thank the people behind the major studios for this everyone. Because those are the greedy people who have pretty much put Hollywood to a halt. Meaning there will be no new content coming out. With the exception of ones already been made or finished filming before the actors strike. So, get ready for a gap where there's no new content, people. Seriously. And it doesn't sound like the Hollywood executives are in a hurry to get this over with. Seriously. This writer strike's been going on for almost three months now. And we just started an actor strike. And by the looks of the comments, by one idiotic CEO, we may be here for a long time here with the actors and the writers. I had a feeling that the writers would be on strike for a while after seeing their proposal, which is up on Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Slasher app. I knew this was going to be a long strike with the writers. Now we got the actors. I didn't think they would go this far with the actors as well, but they are now too, apparently. And file this under Dumbest Idea. In fact, this is probably one of the dumbest ideas of the year that a studio executive, a CEO nonetheless said in an interview. This is coming from Disney CEO Bob Iger, who's... At this point, trying to dismantle Disney, but that's another story. He says writers and actors are not being realistic with strikes. It's very disturbing to me. It's very disturbing to you, Bob? Let me say this. Is it very disturbing to pay an actor... One day's pay where the company owns their skin, their image, their likeness, and can use it for the rest of eternity in any film project they want. With no consent, no compensation. Which is disturbing to me, Bob. Why do we need to use AI here, Hollywood? Seriously. That's pretty much stealing someone's identity or the equivalent of that. And that's not being realistic according to Bob Iger as he and the major studios want to cut corners and that is flat out wrong. People who can't make money off of the streaming. That's not being realistic to Bob Iger in the major studios as the actors deserve a piece of the pie, too. They're the ones who make the films. They make the people come to the theaters to see them. They deserve money, especially the ones who work from film to film. The writers who work vigorously to put these stories into place so that the actors can perform their words. But the studios are being greedy here. And that's not a good thing. I don't get Bob Iger's logic here, people. Because, personally, streaming has changed things. Literally. You wanted to get away from physical media... To go to streaming, this is what happens when you go to a new format. You have to adjust everything for the Screen Actors Guild as well. And the Writers Guild, and the Directors Guild, and all the guilds. But Bob Iger thinks they're not being realistic. I hate to break it to you, Bob Iger. I believe the writers and actors are realistic here. Because Hollywood is making billions and billions of dollars. These CEOs are making millions and millions of dollars. And now these struggling actors who go from one acting gig to another, one writing gig to another. And now you want to take away their likeness? You want to take away their job? Because some of these actors are professional background actors, that would be taking away their job, pretty much. So, I'm sorry, Bob Iger, but I am being realistic here. You have to pay the writers and the actors here. Don't act like some, oh, feel sorry for me, because they're just speak totally wrong. They're not wrong, Bob. In fact, they are right. They should be paid more. They should be paid a fair amount. They shouldn't be cheated out of profits. They shouldn't be cheated out of revenue. And they shouldn't be using AI, period, for films at all. Because it will destroy the film industry if you have films that are created on a computer and not on a Set location. It will destroy everything. You wanna steal the actor's likeness. You wanna steal the actor's movement. You wanna steal everything about them. That is wrong. But Bob Iger thinks they're not being realistic here. Him and all those other idiots. From Paramount, Warner Brothers, Columbia TriStar, etc., etc. Because if AI takes over filmmaking, what's the point of hiring actors to star in films? What's the point of hiring writers to write films when you can teach a computer to do all these things? I am 100% against AI and I believe the writers and the actors should be paid what they owed For streaming rights. Because Hollywood has been getting a free ride for too long. And that has to stop. And we're probably not going to have any new projects done until, I don't know, October? November? Because I really don't see this actor strike ending anytime soon as the writer's strike. Meaning, we'll have no new content. But Bob Iger doesn't seem to care because he thinks the writers and actors are not being realistic. This is all according to an article in Variety, everyone. As he is so out of touch with what is going on with the strike, they're not even at the negotiating table. That's how bad this is. And Bob Iger is just an idiot. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm director Andrew Duran. And we are the... Two, Two from, from Hell. Hell. And we're putting Rated On back into podcasting. Every month, we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and maybe interviews. You can find Two from Hell... On Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at 2 From Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters to find out more information or to donate to scares that care you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org every donation helps scares that care fight real monsters welcome back now i am a huge wrestling fan i used to watch wwe back in the day i still do Occasionally for the pay-per-views. But back in like 2021, WWE was known as this bleeping wrestling promotion. Because of all the dumb things that this promotion did. First of all, it was run by good old Vince. Who thankfully is not around running creative. Because this is definitely a product of Vince McMahon here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not mistake it. We're in SummerSlam 2021. Case in point. During my review of SummerSlam 2021, one of the things I hated about that whole pay-per-view was the whole Bianca Belair, Carmella, Becky Lynch segment. First, it started off with a video package of Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. A match that never happened everyone. Then we find out she's not at the venue. No duh. Everybody knew she wasn't wrestling in the internet wrestling community. So WWE tried to pull a fast one by sending Carmella out there. I don't think that was a good match. Then Becky Lynch made her return from I believe injury at the time. Only for that match to end with two wrestling moves. And Becky Lynch became the new SmackDown Women's Champion. 2021 was a bad period for WWE. Seriously. Bad booking. Vince McMahon heavily in control. Really destroying the product every chance he got. It was not fun watching these WWE shows back in 2020, 2021, all the way up until Triple H took over. I digress. Here's my rant about the whole Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair debacle from SummerSlam 2021 and the return of Becky Lynch with the two moves of Doom that equals bad booking 101. The next negative and probably the biggest negative out of this whole pay-per-view is the fact that they falsely advertise Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. This is what happened? First, they played a video package hyping up the Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair match. Then, Bianca Belair comes to the ring. The ring announcer then announces that Sasha Banks isn't there at the venue and will not be on the COD tonight. First of all, why the hell did they promote Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair on SmackDown? Down when they knew this match was not going to happen. Seriously, WWE. This is why this promotion earns the title, This Bleeping Wrestling Promotion. It is stuff like this that makes me angry, and I have to title this promotion, This Bleeping Wrestling Promotion, because this was BS. Seriously. I don't know why you promote a match between Belair and Banks when you knew probably days before that Sasha Banks wasn't gonna be at the venue that day. I don't get this. I really don't WWE. Seriously, Vince. Why are you promoting matches? That aren't going to happen. If you told us fans that this match wasn't going to happen on the SmackDown the night before. And tell everyone that Bianca Belair will be facing a mystery opponent. Or just take the match off the card. Seriously, WWE. This is why I am fed up with this promotion. This is why I can't give any money to this promotion. I just can't. I can't give it a merch. I can't say I love WWE. This is why you people think I am a WWE hater. Because I'm telling you the truth here. That is screwed up that they promoted a match that they knew it wasn't going to happen. Why the hell are you running a video package before Bianca Belair's match. Seriously. You know the match ain't happening. Why are we seeing a video package? It's bad enough we have a 4 plus hour pay-per-view. You're wasting more time. Following that wasteless segment with King Nakamura dancing to the ring all the way to the SmackDown commentators booth, which I'll talk about later. Why are we wasting time? Seriously, Vince. It's like you guys put on a 4-hour plus show. It's bad enough we have commercials in it. Why? Why do we have to sit through a video package of a match that isn't going to happen? That is False advertising. It ain't Scott's subject to change. They should have been upfront with the fans. The fans would have been forgiving, but instead, you guys continue to promote a match that was not going to happen. And worst of all, you killed maybe two or three minutes on a video package for a match that wasn't happening. This is why I hate WWE people. Seriously, they don't know what the hell they're doing. This is why I made a video a couple of weeks ago on the YouTube channel claiming this promotion, this bleeping wrestling promotion. Because it's things like this that makes WWE earn that title. Seriously. They don't care about the fans. They don't care about anybody. They just book as they go. I hate to tell you, you guys have competition now, and this stuff isn't going to fly for much longer. As the worst thing you could do as a promoter is have to change the cod at the last minute. I can understand if there's like some issues with travel or something that I understand. But when you knew about it and you pulled Banks and Belair off of a house show... Seven, eight days prior to SummerSlam, you should have been upfront with the fans saying this match was not going to happen. But you didn't. You just decided, let's just make the announcement at the pay-per-view. And this match was one of the most anticipated matches on this COD. This wasn't some low COD, mid-COD match. This was probably one of your top three matches on this card, and you guys just decided, oh, we'll just make the announcement at the pay-per-view. Not day of the pay-per-view, not the night before the pay-per-view, not a week before the pay-per-view. The exact moment that Bianca Belair came down to the ring. This is why WWE does not have goodwill from the hardcore wrestling fans. Because they continue to do stupid things like releasing popular wrestlers. And now we're just going to change the card right at the last second. Even though we know this match is probably not happening. A week ago. They could have done this last night. Told everybody that Bianca Belair was going to face a mystery opponent. Or be off the card completely. But instead, they just went ahead. Continued to promote the match. Even though this match wasn't happening. And by judging when Carmella came out, the fans were pissed. Like everyone here wanting Belair versus Banks. They were pissed off. You'd think it would get better? At least it would try to make up from the Bianca Belair Sasha Banks debacle? As guess who returns? Becky Lynch. She comes out to a thunderous ovation and then proceeds to attack Carmella and take her spot in this match okay now so far the return of becky lynch has been going very good comes out to a thunderous applause attacks carmella to take her spot in the match giving us a match that we want to see but two moves later The match is over, and Becky Lynch becomes the SmackDown Women's Champion. This bleeping wrestling promotion. Are you kidding me? Seriously? You just possibly buried Bianca Belair. This is ridiculous ridiculous come on Becky lynch comes back waltz is right into wwe unannounced wins the smackdown women's title literally Come on. Seriously. This is the equivalent of CM Punk waltzing into AEW, beating Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. Don't worry. AEW did not book CM Punk to win the championship, as his first match will be against Dobby Island at All Out. But that's what it felt like. Seriously. It's like if they did Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, so Bianca Belair can lose in a match that had only two wrestling moves. This was WWE flipping off the fans. I know you're trying to gain traction because CM Punk appeared on AEW programming the night before, but this is not how you gain traction. In fact, this is, looks very Bad. To make your young champion Bianca Belair job out to two wrestling moves. If this happened in AEW, there would be a riot. Little riot. By having Becky Lynch beat Bianca Belair with two wrestling moves kills any interest in any rematches. You know there's going to be rematches, why should I care? Really, why should I care about Bianca Belair now? Because you had your champion lose in a match with only two wrestling moves in under 30 seconds. That's ridiculous. Come on, WWE. Don't do your young talent disjustice. Have a five or ten minute match something or not do this at all i don't get wwe seriously they do the stupidest things wins and losses don't matter in this promotion if you haven't figured that out by now i don't know what to say it's like becky comes back you get a title shot goldberg you come back you get a title shot john cena you come back You get a title shot. Hey, Undertaker, do you want to come back? We can give you a title shot. Wins and losses don't matter. It just hurts the young talent that these big names just waltz right in, get title shots, and in Becky Lynch's case, wins. You're doing no favors to the next generation of wrestlers in that promotion. They should have never had this match to begin with seriously as this really hurts Bianca Belair I don't get WWE literally this promotion continues to do the stupidest things that you can think of I don't want to hear, oh, this is sports entertainment. It's a wrestling promotion. And by having Bianca Belair drop her title in under 30 seconds is a crime. I don't get it. I really don't get it, WWE. I really don't get it. Have a 5-10 minute match. Something. It does her no favors that she loses under 30 seconds. It hurts her. And it, especially because she's a young talent that is the future of the women's division in WWE. And instead, you have her lose her title in under 30 seconds. Why do they keep doing this? Seriously. They do this to all the very good wrestlers in this promotion. Don't get me wrong. I like Becky Lynch. But I don't want to see a 30-second match where she wins. It does nobody any good. But WWE thinks it does people good when they have 30-second matches. Why did they even bring Bianca Belair On SummerSlam if they weren't going to do the Sasha Banks match. Because out of the whole Bianca Belair-Sasha Banks mess, the person who got hurt the most is Bianca Belair. And quite frankly, that isn't right. Seriously, Bianca Belair should have never defended her title at SummerSlam. That would have been the best thing for her career. Now, I don't know what happens to her. Seriously, she may bounce back from it, which I hope she does. Because she is a very good talent. She knows how to get over. But having her lose in 20 seconds hurts her. And I don't know why someone in WWE thought that was a good idea. She is one of your most over acts on SmackDown. And to have her just lose in 20 seconds is ridiculous. Seriously. To someone who just came back, which even made it worse. I don't get it, WWE. Seriously, Vince. Does anybody in creative have the notion to tell Vince that that might be a bad idea? Because it was mixed when Becky Lynch won in 20 seconds that's not a good idea and that's not the type of return you wanted out of a Becky Lynch return as this was heavily botched and I think this may have been a knee-jerk reaction after CM Punk showed up on AEW programming the night before you know what oh CM Punk just showed up on AEW you know what we'll do we'll have Becky Lynch show up at SummerSlam and win the title It killed the CM Punk momentum. No, it did not do that. Instead, it comes at the expense of one of your best young talent, and that is a shame. That is a downright shame that Bianca Belair had to do a 30-second job for her championship. This showcased no one. I'm done talking about this. This is really ridiculous. Seriously. This and the Sasha Banks debacle shows why WWE is not my favorite promotion, quite frankly. They don't understand the fans. They only do things to please themselves. Not the fans. Not the networks. Themselves. And that is the major problem with WWE. And that is why it is this bleeping wrestling promotion. I'm done. I'll be back in a minute. As I also gotta talk about the main championship matches on this card. As they're both negatives as well. You can follow Anti T Horror and Wrestling Show on these social media providers. At Anti T's Horror Wrestling on the Facebook, Instagram, and Slosher app. You can find Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. You can also listen to the podcast at uh. YouTube.com, Slash at FilmIKMedia, and DocDiscussions.com. Like I said in the middle of part of the show, of this year was dominated by the actors and Writer's Strike. It allowed me to review independent films. Films outside the studio system. That I called the Indie Crusade. Now, I'm trying to find a way to bring this back for 2024 because I love reviewing independent horror films. Quite frankly. So I'm going to revisit the first review. That was labeled. Under the Indie Crusade. And this is a film that. Is one of my favorite films. Of the year. Probably. Top 15. Top 20 film. Of 2023. It may or may not be on my top 10 list. I have not decided on that yet. It's a film called Murder Size. The film stars. Kansas Bowling, Jessa Flux, Drew Mavick, and Ginger Lynn. Directed by Paul Ragsdale, who's directed some really good indie films such as Slasherette Potty, and Streets of Vengeance. Enjoy my review of Murder Size. And then go to A&P Films on SD to purchase this film. Up Blu-ray alongside their other films. What's Anthony T watching this episode? Well, it's the beginning of the indie crusade here. As while the SAG strike is going on, yours truly will be reviewing independent horror films. Films that are self-distributed. Films that are on the film festival scene. Those types of films here on What's Anthony T. Watching? And the first film, Murder Size. Get it? Exercise. Murder Size. I told you we were getting physical in the beginning of the episode. Remember that 80s song by... Olivia Newton-John. I know most of you may have never heard of that song. That's pretty much how old I am, if I know that song. But back to the review. As this film is set in the 80s, it's distributed by a film company called AMP Productions. Now, before I stop my review, I have to disclose that I was a backer of their Indiegogo campaign. Because, well, if I like a certain filmmaker, and they usually do good work, nine times out of ten, yours truly will support their campaign on Indiegogo. As I usually take chances on filmmakers that actually make films. Not filmmakers that will put a film up on Indiegogo looking for funding. I don't take chances on filmmakers, I don't know. Because sometimes you can get burned. I've been burned on maybe a couple of them. But anyway, the film I'm reviewing is murder-size. According to the IMDb page for the film, Phoebe is an obsessed fitness nerd who gets her big break on a sleazy workout video. After being ridiculed by her co-stars... V.B. befriends a mafia princess wild child who teaches her how to murder her way to the top. Now, I've seen pretty much all of Paul Rugg's deal in Angela D'Alber's films. Whether it's Slasherette Potty, Cinco de Mayo, Streets of Vengeance. I think this is, what, their fourth film? And I have to say this is probably their best film. And I'm being serious about it. It's not me being the Indiegogo backer talking. It's me being the film critic talking. Because I've seen four of their films already. This is their best one by far. As I had a great time with this film. In fact, I had so much fun with this film. As it's like one other horror comedy out there, which I won't name, is better than this film. That's how great... I liked Murder Size. And one of the reasons why I liked it was their directing. As both Paul Ragsdale and Angela D'Alba do a very good job with the way they direct this film. They do a great job keeping the action moving. Whether it's the set pieces in the film or whether it's the dialogue scenes, they do a great job keeping this film Moving to the point that you're entertained the entire time. As this is a fast film at like around 81 minutes around that area. But what I enjoyed about the directing was the fact that it was very good. I think they do a very good job making sure the kill scenes are very gory. They do a very good job in making sure that the dialogue scenes are good. And they do get very good performances here. So I thought this cast gelled very well here. They had chemistry with each other. There were some really good performances in this film that I liked a lot. Including Kansas Bowling in the lead. As she does a very good job in the way she handles her character. As it develops during the course of the film. As she had to bring depth to it. As her character keeps evolving during the course of this film. I liked it. She really did a great job. I would love to see her in more films. Quite frankly. As I think she's a very good actress. Between that one and a film called Psycho Ape. Also has really good supporting performances. From Ginger Lynn as the wife of a mafia boss. Who's funding this workout video. Nina Lenny Kent. ...as Isabella the Mafia Princess. And of course, Drew Mavick was very funny in this film as Chuck the Lighting Guy. He is such a riot in this film. It's probably his best comedic performance. He steals every scene in this film. He's just so funny. Especially towards the end of this film. He's just funny. I always loved Drew Mavick. He's very funny in the way he pr- approaches his roles. And he r- really makes the humor of this film work very well. As it really helps with making this very entertaining. I highly recommend you check out Murder Size. It is such a very good film. It has great humor, great action, very bloody scenes. It's a very entertaining slasher film with a twist. I like it a lot. It is one of the best films I've seen this year. Definitely one of the best indie horror films I've seen this year. Literally. And it's not because I'm a backer of the campaign. This is such a very good film that people should check out. Go to newvillagevideo.com, rent the film, And check this film out because Murder Size is an entertaining horror comedy that keeps you very interested. And it's one of those films that never breaks a sweat with the action and the comedy. Five stars. This wraps up another edition of the Best of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast this year. It's fun doing these episodes. I know this year was more dialogue heavy. More rants. It was because I really didn't want to go dancing around film projects with strikes and everything going on. So next year I hope to have more interviews on this podcast. Plus I hope to have more wrestling talk. And who knows what might 2024 bring to the podcast. The next three episodes will be best of 2023 episodes. Next episode will be the horror whammies. The worst categories of 2023. The dishonorable mentions of horror. Things that really irked me in 2023 in horror. That's next episode. Then, Episode 110 will be the Horror Show Awards, which is basically the Oscars of horror for the podcast. And episode 111 will be the best of 2023, where I'll bring someone on to chat about the best films of 2023. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast this year. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Pandora, and other podcast providers. Don't forget to like the official Facebook page, Instagram page, and Slasher page at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. With that, I hope everyone has a happy holiday, a happy new year, and I'll be back in 2024 with new episodes of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling show. And don't forget to support indie wrestling and indie horror. This has been a Film Arcade Media production.